It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Here we are back for another show, Green and Growing. Hey, it's Ashley Frasca on WSB, and you know it is football Saturday. You've waited and you've waited, and we finally are rewarded with our patience. Georgia football is back, and you're going to keep it right here on WSB because pregame starts at noon, kickoff at 4. The dogs are traveling in Arkansas right now, and I'm joined by a special celebrity gardener just for you And it coincides, of course, with the first game of the season. Lauren Smith, of course, Georgia Bulldog. And it's probably easier, Lauren, to say the positions that you haven't held in your time (laughs) with the University of Georgia Athletics and the football program. Welcome to the show. Glad to be with you, Ashley, and thanks for having me with you. So another a fellow broadcaster, a sideline reporter, a columnist. I grew up on a farm, Ashley, and I don't really have a garden uh, like most people do but i do connect for example when i walk in the mornings my neighbors trimming their limbs in the backyard pile them up on the street well by the time i get to my fall walk there those limbs are pretty dead and i just go and grab a couple each day and take it to my yard cut it up and it's great kindling wood and you know if you do two limbs a day and sometimes uh I can do that, but I accumulate them. My uh, long crew comes on Thursdays, and they saw for my fireplace. So I'm being industrious, maybe, but I feel good when I do things like that. Very resourceful. And like you mentioned, gardening is a good outlet. And I don't know, Lauren, how much you garden, but I know you've probably learned some tips and tricks and heard some stories over the years from our friends Vince Dooley and, of course, Dan McGill, who who we lost a few years ago. But what avid gardeners those gentlemen are. Yeah, I kid Vince. He's got a botanical garden at his home, and he lives right down the street from me. But he was showing off his garden one day, and I was in the group, and I said, Vince, this is all nice. But I said, our garden to me is cucumbers and squash and corn <laughs> and peas. I said, I can't fulfill my hunger pains in this flower garden. you got to get some vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's next for he and Barbara. They need to try that. He does a few things now, tomatoes, onions, and a few things. So Vince is very enterprising, and he's very taken by this. And Vince is 87, and I happen to know, uh, be 80, I guess he's 88 now. I happen to know that it's heart disease in his family. So gardening has given him a long life. That's amazing. And I think a lot of people could learn from that lesson, too. And it just gives you something to look forward to, something to take care of, you know, and you take care of yourself and your health in the meantime. Well, you have an affinity for gardeners, Lauren, and you're a syndicated columnist in in many publications throughout the state, many newspapers throughout the state. And you have recently talked to two very well-known Georgia gardeners. Of course, one is our friend Walter Reeves, who was just on the show a little while ago. And Alan Armitage, tell me, did you pick up any tidbits or any uh, tips or advice from them as you spoke to those two great gardeners? Well, it's just so resonating to talk to each of them. Alan is actually my neighbor. I can hit a nine iron from my front lawn. Uh, well, maybe I might have to have a six iron over <laughs> the trees, trees into his yard. And then, of course, I see Vince quite often over various things, and I'm always taking a look at the new plants that are in his yard. And I really admire them. And I thought about, uh, you know, when you write a column, 
and you let it sit, even after it appears in print, you say, oh, I wish I'd included this. I wish I'd thought about that. But when I wrote about Walter, I failed to link him with a tremendous American hero, Johnny Appleseed, because they have a similar bent in life in that they're doing something for others. Uh, Johnny Appleseed was a Actually, he was an evangelist. He was a God-fearing man, and then he uh, planted the apple trees wherever he went, and that helped the landscape, helped other people. But he wanted people to plant gardens and to be industrious. So Walter has fulfilled an evangelical role, in my view, but just by doing what he's been doing over the years, and he's such a passionate advocate of 4-H Club. So... Walter's good works are really uh, his legacy, and I think that's a wonderful thing. Vince has made people understand that you can be successful in one profession, and you can also have a second profession, and gardening became his second life, and he has really put a lot into it. I've been with him on trips. We went to Kuchenhof in the Netherlands, the garden fair, and Mm. then I was happy to tell him about a couple of places he had not been to. We went to a great garden in New Zealand, and uh, I have been to Victoria, Canada. The gardens there are fabulous. Uh, Inverwee Gardens, people don't know about, but it's way up north in Scotland, and wow. it, uh, it, it, it flourishes because the jet stream goes, turns and goes up way up north there. I just think gardening and outdoor activity is just great. I love to hunt and fish, and I don't I don't plant tomatoes every year. I can't wait to go to, to North Georgia, North Carolina, and I think it's as good as uh, Vermont, except it's more concentrated in New England. And I've been there. I managed my schedule in years past where I could run up to Vermont on Sunday after a Georgia game and come back uh, Thursday or Friday uh, for the next game. It's pretty good. If you just drive the perimeter highway, 285 around Atlanta, you can get a pretty good dose of fall color doing that. Well, let me ask you about a place that you spend a lot of time, not this weekend, you're in Arkansas as the Bulldogs are taking on the Razorbacks there at 4 o'clock, but back at Sanford Stadium, back at home, I know you are probably one of a dozen or so people that know really well the history of the hedges there in Sanford Stadium, of course, historic, and I think they date back to the late 1920s, and all it is is ligustrum. All it is is Chinese privet, which a lot of people find invasive. But, Lauren, can you tell me about the one or two times that those hedges have had to be moved and what a big deal that was? Yeah, and it uh, had to do with the Olympics. But originally, uh, we had a business manager uh, in the early 20s, I think, um, who was a friend of the uh, Alabama business manager. And the Alabama business manager invited him, uh, Charlie Martin, to go uh, to uh, the Rose Bowl in Pasadena when Alabama played in it. And he was taken by the roses around the field. And he wanted to plant roses around the Sanford Stadium, and the gardener told him, well, they won't survive in this climate. So that's why we, why Charlie Martin moved to put the privet hedges in. Pasadena's had trouble with the roses, and they now have hedges. Oh, really? Yeah, they can't grow the roses uh, to suit them. It's just it's a climate problem. And I I have a column planned on that. I've got to find the right person to talk to at the Rose Bowl. But the uh, hedges had grown 
and they were really aging when we had the 1996 Olympics here. And uh, Vince found out that they were really in danger of sort of passing away if a hedge can do that. So they needed replacing, plus the fact we needed to take the hedges up to make the dimensions of the soccer field for the women's soccer championship Mm -hmm. to be played. And that's a tedious process, and I read that they may have had uh, nematodes. That may have been the problem that was just slowly leading to the decline. And there was a secret location, two secret locations, uh, nurseries that were asked to propagate, you know, cuttings from that Chinese privet so that the the new hedges that we had to put in in certain spots came from the parent plants. That is so cool. Yeah, the sons and daughters, Vince said, very smart. Sons and daughters of the original hedges. <laughs> That's amazing. Just like Ugga carries on his uh, his legacy, so do the hedges. Well, let me ask you two more questions. So you wrote a really thoughtful column about a month ago. Summer is a favorite season, and I love just your reflection on two things you had observed over the summer. Uh, Lauren Smith, talking with Lauren Smith of the broadcast team at the University of Georgia, writing about tomatoes and just how colorful you had noticed the crepe myrtles were this summer. So in thinking about that and what we're anticipating for fall, which is my favorite season, what are you expecting to see just explode with color or maybe one of the things you're looking most forward to in this season? Well, I have a friend who lives in Cashers or lives at Mountaintop, Truett Gerard, who's a doctor in in Noonan until he retired, and his father uh, was a vegetable gardener on Peril. He was terrific. And uh, I go up to see him, and I try to time it to where the peak of the leaf season takes place there. I can always get to him on a Sunday, if not Saturday, because of football. And then, of course, uh, just a little later in North Georgia, I try to make sure uh, I don't miss those two but this year, maybe I'm holding out hope that I can get to uh, that there'll be color left when I get to Lexington, Kentucky, oh. Georgia Place, Kentucky, uh, on the road this year. And Lexington, Kentucky, at the peak of fall, is a fabulous, fabulous place. And so maybe I can do a triumvirate this year. When I get to Kentucky, October thirty first, if there's color still left, I'll I'll, I'll have that I'll have that triumvirate. Oh, we expect to see pictures, Lauren. Well, I have a question. I cannot let you go. You're you're there with the football team, and the boys are so ready, amped up to begin our twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one season. So, what can we expect to see from the team today? Well, I hope the defense is as good as advertised because uh, the offense is a little unsettled in that we. Got a question mark at quarterback, although the coaches know who is going to be the incumbent. They're just not going to tell anybody for mm-hmm. two reasons. One is uh, if you tell people who you're going to start now when there are several candidates, they'll go out. Your opponents, not necessarily Arkansas, your opponents will go out and they'll look at even the quarterback's high school years. They uh, they don't want to give the competition any advantage. But the big thing is they want this. All of the kids who are candidates, they want it to be fair for them. And to announce it too soon, uh, you know, sort of dims the spirits of uh, a couple of other players because you never know when a player will go down and somebody's got to take his place. So you want the kids to feel good about the fairness in the competition. Well, I hope we bring home a W from Arkansas for the Bulldog Nation. And I know you're busy, so I'm going to let you get to it, Lauren. But Lauren Smith, my thanks to you for being on Green and Growing and in such a timely weekend, too. 
Well, thanks. I think go dogs. Go dogs. We'll talk to you soon. I want to get right to David's call. I don't know if he's calling from California or moved here from California, but we're going to talk about something that's applicable to all of us Georgia gardeners in just a moment. But first, Finley Roofing sponsors the weather update. I got to let you know what to expect today. We're about four minutes away from sunrise today. A high of around 82, lows in the mid 60s, a mix of sun and clouds. And tomorrow's partly cloudy as well. There is a chance for a stray afternoon thunder shower. Not likely, though, says uh, WSB radio meteorologist Kirk Mellish. And again, a high around 81, low around 67. So, David, welcome to the show. Good morning. Oh, hey, morning. Yeah, uh, Andrea, right? Uh, it's Ashley. Oh, Ashley, I'm sorry, yeah. Now, uh, are you in California now, or have you moved yeah, here? Yeah, I am. It's early in the morning. Yeah, well, heck I, yeah, it is. I, it's 4.30. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was, I, what I was calling about, you know, uh, with COVID, if, if I understand right, we're going to really need green, leafy vegetables. Yes. Uh, you know, if it's a lung disease, you want to make sure that you uh, have iron in your blood, and you get iron from green, leafy vegetables. And uh, so, I, if I remember right, uh, you know, you can still grow kale and, and certain leafy vegetables in the autumn. Mm-hmm. And uh, if, you know, thinking in terms of Atlanta or Georgia or, you know, the South, what would be the, the best things to put in this year? David, that is a great question, and I'm really glad you asked. And I know gardening is so different on the West Coast, and I even follow some Texas gardeners' blogs, but it's it's... I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to spread my experience a little further west. But yes, for Georgia gardeners, I've got a list here in front of me from my friend Joe Lample, who is a television host and author. He uh, hosts Growing a Greener World on public television. I love his top 10 list for cool season vegetables because I agree with nine out of the 10, right? So garlic we talked about, that is something to do now, but we're not going to be able to expect to enjoy that until April or May. But to your point, the green leafy stuff, you've got lettuce, spinach, kale. You've even got giant red mustard. If you've never seen that in a garden, purplish reddish leaves, what a beautiful contrast to some of the other things. Chard, of course. And then we've also got the broccoli and cauliflower, beets and carrots, the things that grow underground. So there are a lot of things to be doing now. And we're still around that time for fall planting dates where you're not too late here in the southeast. But uh, to find that list, I would advise all of you to go to joegardener.com and check out his blogs. Joe writes some really good stuff and just simplifies everything for those of us that are kind of newer at this. And look at his list for vegetables, and maybe that'll inspire you to start some of these things in your garden. Great to hear from you, David. We have more calls coming up. Stay tuned to Green and Growing. with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries on 95.5 WSB. Halfway through the show, I can't believe how fast it goes on a Saturday morning. I wish my Monday through Friday gig went by this quickly, but uh, yeah, we're here for three hours. Welcome to Green and Growing. I am the same Ashley Frasca that does traffic on Channel 2 Action News and right here on WSB Monday through Friday mornings. And then I come back on Saturday mornings and host a gardening show. And I met someone yesterday that did not realize I was the same Ashley Frasca. And that's not a common name. 
So what are the odds <laughs> that this radio station would employ two of me? Probably not great. I'm very lucky they employ one of me. Um, yeah, have a good time Monday through Friday with Mark Aram in the Traffic Center. Mike Shields is sitting in there right now keeping an eye on traffic. And then, of course, here with Jason and sometimes DeMarco, sometimes Justin. We got Scotty B in the house today answering phones. So it's always a delight to be here on a Saturday morning and hear from you. 404-872-0750. So before we get to calls and Georgia football later, that is at noon pregame and tailgate starts at noon, kickoff at four. The boys are in Arkansas to face the Razorbacks. We're a few weeks late, of course, starting the college football season. But nevertheless, it's here. We're excited about it. We are your home of the dogs, so you want to stay here all week long. We've got some bulldog programming every single day for you. For those of you that are avid fans like myself, that's where I graduated from in 2005, um, but before that, and before your calls, I did want to touch on a few topics that we discussed earlier, but I kind of gleaned over. Um, I started the show by saying I posted something on the Facebook page yesterday on Green and Growing WSB. That's the Facebook page. I don't have a website. I can't. <laughs> I don't have time to manage a website. But um, asking for suggestions, asking for, you know, we're, we're changing seasons now, and I know winter is going to be pretty slow for a lot of us. So I'm like, what can we do to spice it up? You know, do y'all want more features or interviews or more caller questions or just topic ideas? And a lot of you really came through and gave some great ideas. And I think the underlying theme with a lot of those comments was just ideas. Like you just wanted ideas of what to plant. You want to know more about particular types of flowers or bulbs or seeds and things to start in the garden and when to. And a lot of you are concerned with fall color and things for the winter and just keeping things seasonal. So I wanted to talk about that. And then another one was pre-emergent because we spent a lot of time last week on the show talking about that. So first, though, this is from Pike Nursery. Just thinking year-round for your landscape, there's always something that could be flowering in your landscape when you go through all four seasons. And you got to be strategic with what you plant, where you plant, and then, you know, how you time it to when it's going to bloom at the right time. So we'll kind of go through this list that they provided me. We'll start with fall because that's where we're at. Deciduous plants, they put on a great show with color-changing fall foliage, right? And you've got some shrubs that do that very same thing. Um, I can think Nandina looks really, really cool at different times of year. Indian hawthorn, those leaves change color. Um, I think um, Abelia. Abelia is going to be really cool and really colorful. Um, summer perennials, we still are enjoying a lot of the colors from those. So that's something that you'll plant during the summer. Make sure you pick it up from the nursery that it's perennial. It's going to come back every year, low maintenance. That's going to be wonderful for color in the garden too. And then when we bring in fall color, you think of mums. And I said earlier in the show, I want people to call with uh, suggestions of annuals, other than, than mums. I love mums, and they're beautiful, and they're at Pike Nursery right now, and mine are starting to open up that I actually was able to over winter. I don't know how from last fall, but um, I want to think of some other things, you know, that maybe I like. Um, oh, my gosh, the name just escapes me, but it's a feathery-looking flower. Oh, it starts with a C, feathery-looking flower that's at the nurseries right now, and it can be deep purple or yellow, and they grow upright, and they're really, really cool. Like, that's a good mailbox plant. Going into winter, and you'll find this at the nursery right now, pansies and violas, that's, of course, great color. You see it at the front of office parks and complexes and neighborhoods because pansies are just so colorful and so simple. And, yes, deer like to eat them as well. But uh, perennial hellebores, Lenten rose, I've got three of those in the landscape. Those bloom winter to early spring, depending on the variety. Mine usually start blooming around late January 
and they like the same conditions as hostas. So hellebores, they like a shady spot. They like a spot that stays somewhat moist, um, not totally dry. And the green foliage is beautiful. And there's different varieties of hellebores where the green leaves are different colors. But then when you have those flowering up above the snow and in the cold months, that's really something. That's why it's Lenten rose. Um, And then camellias, winter Daphne, those are some great ideas for winter blooming shrubs. You've got Sasanqua and Japonica camellias, and you've got to know the difference because one blooms around October and the other can bloom in February, March. And then going around to spring, that's probably the easiest for most of you as gardeners because there's flowers everywhere. You just have your pick of whatever you want. So many choices with annuals. And then when you're thinking about trees, you could plant in early spring. Fall is the best time to establish trees and shrubs, but you could be thinking about installing trees in early spring. Uh, Redbud trees, dogwoods, cherries, forsythia, flowering quince. Oh, flowering quince, that flower is absolutely stunning. Those are things that you can enjoy in the spring. And that's when I'll bring back that highway horticulture photo album because we start to see things blossoming in the spring and early summer. And I know you're driving down the highway or down the road being like, what is that beautiful tree? What is that that's flowering? So I start this this photo album on the Facebook page, Highway Horticulture, and identify a lot of that for you, like the different cherry trees. You know, you see those beautiful pink or white blooms and don't know. You may know it's a cherry, but you don't know what kind. So I differentiate that. And then later in the spring, when we start to think of the masters in Augusta, we think about those azaleas. Rhododendrons are in the same family. Uh, Loripedlums, that's Chinese fringe. That's a great foundation shrub that's got the purple leaves, and it'll have the fringe-type flowers that that it puts on, some white, some pink. Uh, Gardenias and hydrangeas. So, right, spring, like I said, is so easy. You know what all of those are. So something to think about when you have ideas for just always having something in the garden. And I'm going to talk to Mickey Gazaway, a friend of the show and a friend of mine, next Saturday. And she will have some great recommendations for you because she has a plant for all seasons. She's tried them all. She's had successes. She's had failures. And I can't wait to ask her about that and her recommendations. And she's got a succulent ladder in her backyard, which is so neat. And another thing we talked about last week that some of you wanted me to follow up on was pre-emergent chemical. So let me explain that just for a moment. So a pre-emergent is, is a weed killer that's going to work preventatively. It, it's preventing weeds. In, it's in the name. It prevents weeds before they emerge. Uh, because what that chemical is able to do is get to the seeds before they germinate. So it's very important that you do a pre-emergent treatment twice a year, and you, you also have an opportunity for a third, but this is more in your lawn. Um, you can do it in flower beds, too, to keep the weeds from popping up, but you have to be four to six weeks ahead of when this the weeds start to germinate. But um, I was discussing this last week and also on the show September 5th. If you go back to the Facebook page and look for that post, somebody did ask, you know, you and Walter were talking about three pre-emergence that uh, that are available, you know, maybe to use like in a fescue lawn right now, for example, because we're wanting to get ahead of the winter weeds, right? We're still in the right time frame where we can get those weeds before they germinate. So three of the, the pre-emergent chemicals that Walter and I were talking about that I posted for Cindy, Bonide Weed Beater Ultra, that's going to be a good one. And, and you can look on the label and it'll show you what weeds it prevents, but also gives you very good instructions on how it works, when to apply and all that. Now, you can't use these if you're seeding a lawn, if you're putting grass seed out, because it doesn't know the difference. It doesn't know the difference between a grass seed and a weed seed. But So Bonide Weed Beater Ultra, and they've also got a, a Weed Beater Max as well that, that works a little bit differently. Uh, Bio Advanced makes season-long weed control for lawns. So that's a good one as well. 
And that is a pre and a post emergent. So when you use that bio advanced product, that season long weed control, you you don't have to apply it as often because it's working pre preventatively, and it's also working on some of the weeds that we see now. Right? I still have um, dandelions. I still have the leaves from those. I still have cudweed. I've got kylinga. I've got all kinds of things. So hopefully the post emergent that can work on some of those. And lastly, another brand, Ortho makes a Weed Be Gone Max. So that is another one. And I found this great article that was more like fescue pre-emergence, but they can also be used on Bermuda grass now. But great article from a publication that I received from the University of Georgia, just bragging on UGA and the work that they do there at the, the plant school. They were recognized by the Georgia General Assembly for the UGA-developed Bermuda grass, if you've heard of Tiff Tough, and many of you may have that variety of Bermuda in your lawn. So the State House and the Senate passed resolutions just noting the success of Tiff Tough. And this is fascinating because it's used internationally. It grows in some notable places, including UGA's campus, of course, Atlanta Centennial Olympic Park, the Sydney Opera House in Australia, and golf courses around the world. So it's one of the biggest economic drivers for the state's turf grass industry. And that's really cool when you think about that. We've got a great place to really establish, you know, these lawn nurseries, these grass nurseries. And the um, the turf grass industry, that generates like an estimated $9 billion in economic impact every year for the state. So that's just fascinating. So congratulations to the folks there at University of Georgia that have worked so hard to make that work. 404 Back to your calls. David in Tucker, good morning. Welcome to the show. Uh, good morning. You're mentioning uh, things to do, uh, perennial slash annuals, and I was calling about uh, you can plant aster, uh, aster seeds and um, some varieties of black-eyed Susan now is my understanding that the trick is some black-eyed Susan varieties are annuals and some are perennials. And you got to do a little research to get that figured out. Also, uh, I have had an onslaught of hummingbirds the last two or three weeks mm-hmm. and uh, was checking around and uh, see if you can confirm this, that uh, you can make your own nectar with just sugar and water. Or if you buy it commercially, you want to avoid the stuff with the, the um, artificial um, dyes in it to make it red. If it's if it's natural coloring, fine, but uh, there might be some negative effects on the birds for the uh, artificial dye. If you could uh, confirm that. Yeah, and I don't know exactly the research or the science behind that, but I had heard that too. Maybe it's not necessarily harmful. I guess food coloring, if used in large quantities, could be. Um, but just completely unnecessary because a lot of the hummingbird feeders that we buy, be it glass or plastic or whatever, have that red on them, right? So that's enough to attract the hummingbirds. And you're right, David, you can make your own nectar, four parts water to one part sugar. So just do the ratio there depending on the size of your feeder. And I talked a couple of weeks ago about just how important it is to clean the feeders throughout the summer because if the the sun is coming right through that glass or that plastic, black mold can develop not only in the container itself but around the little holes where they feed. And that black mold, think about, you know, trace quantities for us can be harmful. So for something as small as a little hummingbird, that can be fatal. So cleaning those feeders out. I just put fresh water out last week because you're right. They are they are getting fat. They are getting plump. They are trying to store up ready for that trip 
uh, to head south, and they can leave the area anywhere between now and late October. And some folks in Metro Atlanta have even seen them year-round. I think that's a little more rare, um, but the one we have the most is the ruby-throated ruby, ruby hummingbird, easy for me to say. So that's the one you see, and they'll scream at you. I mean, if your feeder's getting low right now, and they've had it all summer, they're going to start screaming at you. Um, and yes, to your point about seeds, some of those you mentioned, uh, black-eyed Susan, so rutabecchia, um, also, I've done Coreopsis with success, and that's perennial that keeps coming back. Cosmos are kind of fun, too. Asters, you mentioned. I had an aster plant. I didn't do it from seed, but I had an aster plant that I babied all summer long, and it's just now finally getting really pretty little light purple flowers on it. So that's worth the trouble. And David, thanks for the call. I don't have time to get into it now, but when you're talking about seed, that made me think of some of the bulbs that we can start thinking about planting. Maybe late October, we're still a little early. You have to wait a few more weeks, but I know you're seeing them in the stores and you want to buy them and you want to plant them now and we got to wait. But I'm going to share an article on the Facebook page on Green and Growing WSB for spring flowering bulbs that we're going to want to start thinking about uh, doing in late October, and that will reward us in the spring. There is a list way more extensive than you could ever even imagine from the University of Georgia. So I'll post that before the end of the show. 7.50, got to take a break, and we'll be right back on Green and Growing. Seeing the daylight outside now, 66 degrees. It's actually dropped a little bit since I got here at 530. That's crazy. Well, the weather update for the weekend brought to you by Finley Roofing. Today, a mix of sun and clouds, high of around 82. That's pretty pleasant. Tomorrow, partly cloudy. Stray afternoon thunder shower possible, but not likely. Warm and humid. So that rain chance is at 30% high of 81, low of 67. We've got the complete weather forecast coming up in less than 10 minutes. If you stay tuned right here to 95.5 WSB. And now I want to solicit calls for our our guest uh, of the show, Dr. David Coyle with Clemson University. He's an entomologist and he's done forestry health and research and all of that. So there's a wide range of things. But I wanted to kind of focus on pests, garden pests. And you're still wanting to prevent some of those, treat some of those. And I talked about houseplants earlier in the show, getting some of those pests off the houseplants before you move them from outside back inside. So any of your pest questions, Robert from Tucker's already got a great question. I want to hold over for uh, Dr. Coyle, who's going to be joining us at 8 o'clock. So 404-872-0750. And we'll take him in just a moment. I just hit the wrong button. But Rick and Snellville, hey, you've got about 30 seconds. What's your question? Well, Ashley, I made some cuttings off a big azalea plant last June. Cool. And I've got them in this translucent box in the backyard. And they are doing great. I put them in this uh, black gold seeding seedling mix yes. in, these, in these peat pots. And I see roots are all the way out to the side, I see now. And I want to do what it's in an airtight container, and I haven't even had to water it all uh, summer. But what do I do now? I, I, is there a step two before I put them in the ground? So that's fantastic. And that black gold that you're talking about, that is a great, great potting mix for sure when you're starting seed or cuttings. So right now, depending on the size, Rick, I didn't quite catch the size, but you could transform, transfer them to a little bit of a larger pot and baby that in the sunroom or on the back deck or something over the winter. Or if they're sturdy enough, they're ready to plant in the ground. You can do that now, September, October, because shrubs, a great time to 
plant them and let them get established is fall. Whether it's already one from the nursery or one that you've propagated, fall is going to be the safest time. So send me a picture, if you will. Get on the Facebook page, Green and Growing WSB. Send me a picture because I want to see the size, either a pot now or in the ground. But you're good to go. Good for you. We'll be right back on Green and Growing. You're listening to WSB. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.